Board Round, session number 38. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome back to Board Rounds. If this is your first time here, welcome to Board Rounds. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. And if you are new to the podcast world, thank you for finding us and hopefully joining us for the long run as we help you prepare for your step one or level one exam as a medical student. I've partnered with this podcast with Board Vitals. You can check them out at boardvitals.com. They have an amazing platform with so many questions, right? The, The goal of step one and level one prep is questions, questions, questions. And with close to 2,000 questions, with a lot of it being revamped as we speak, Board Vitals has you covered. You can also save 15% off by being a listener of this podcast by using the promo code BOARDROUNDS, again, at boardvitals.com. We're going to jump into another renal episode right now. Dr. Mike Natter, back for some more kidney fun, I think. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> back again. Um, so so talk to me why, if if kidney is so important, why mm-hmm. do we have two of them? Like we can live without one kidney. Like, no, just kidding. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but maybe that's why we have two. Maybe they're so oh, important they're so that important. maybe if you have some freak accident where you lose one, or maybe you want to be a very, um, I don't know, uh, generous the, human. The cardiologists are like, well, you only got one heart, dude. Oh, the heart's a dumb organ, right? We've already established <laughs> that all it needs to do is pump the insulin around the body, right? That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of there. And the neurologists are like, you only got one brain. Uh, yeah, this is true. No, this is know. true. Yeah, no, it actually, it is really interesting. There, I'm sure there's an, uh, some some really fascinating book by some evolutionary biologist about why we have two of some and one of another. Yeah, it'd be interesting to to know that. But a good a good point that we need to make is it's not covered on step one, so we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just good good little thought experiment. Good to know. Good. Uh, what do we have in store today? All right, so we're going to do another renal question. Renal being the... <laughs> ever so complicated yet elegant kidneys. Um, so I was going to go ahead and jump into question number two, shall we? Yep. yep. Here we go. A 52-year-old female who develops acute renal failure has a metabolic abnormality associated with perioral numbness, paresthesias of the hands and feet, and muscle cramps. Trousseau sign and Trotschvastik sign, which are that one, are also present. In addition to the metabolic abnormality accounting for this patient's symptoms, what other metabolic finding is likely to be present? Mm. The answers are as follows. A, hyperphosphatemia. B, decreased parathyroid hormone, or PTH. C, increased sensitivity to 125-dihydroxyvitamin D. D, hyponatremia. Or E, metabolic alkalosis. Oh... See, this is better, right? It's a little bit more clinically related than that last question. So it's a fun one. So obviously, renal failure is going to to cause some issues. Uh, I think last week we mentioned the hyperkalemia. There's going to be some issues potentially with 
um, uh, uh, phosphorus and uh, or potassium rather and phosphorus and all just everything in our bodies we're going to have issues with because the kidney's not doing their job. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is right. why we have dialysis to, to help get that stuff uh, back to normal. Um, so I guess the first thing we, we have to understand what's going on, right? Perioral numbness, paresthesia. So there's, there's something out of whack here that's causing the nerves to kind of freak out and the Trousseau sign and Chavostic sign are, are also, I think, um, uh, signs of that. Um, now the question is what specifically, uh, what else would we find? So, so it'd be better. I think if the question was easier and was like, what is causing perioral numbness, right? You're like, okay, maybe I'll figure that one out. But it's like, they, okay. They, they always do that. Too. I know. They like to give you while you're reading to be like, oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> and they tell you that. And you're like, oh, great. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those third step questions. You're like, darn it. I, I, I thought I was going to know the answer. Um, yeah. so, so then you have to kind of wait, okay, what's associated with or what would I expect because of all these other things? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of where you're like, okay, I don't know. So uh, hyperphosphatemia, I'm like, okay, phosphorus, that's kind of similar to maybe potassium or calcium, maybe some of these other things that are causing some issues, uh, with the nerves and muscles and stuff. So maybe that's an okay one. Uh, decreased parathyroid hormone, I'm like PTH, uh, that's kind of a, a, a different one that I think I'll, I'll leave to the side for now. It doesn't, doesn't sound about right. Um, mm-hmm. Again, increased sensitivity to vitamin D. I'm like, eh, probably not. Maybe I don't know. But that that's one of those things. Is maybe as I'm thinking through this, am I am I thinking too closely to everything else they gave us, and I'm not going for that third step that is one of these random uh, kind of facts that you have to know. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm just I'm following my my line of thinking for now. Uh, hyponatremia is kind of very similar to hyperphosphatemia, where it's like okay, maybe there's this thing going on. Um, if the kidneys aren't working, are you going to have less uh, of something versus more of something, and and trying to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. And the metabolic al- alkalosis, you're like, oh, crap. You get all of these acid-based stuff. And it's like with kidneys, you're like, oh, there's got to be something there too. So out of all five of those, I only got rid of two of them. So that doesn't really help, although it, de- it increases my chances from, what, 20 to, to 33%. So I'll take better, that. Better than nothing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> better than nothing. Um, and so that's kind of where where I've gotten to um, uh phosphorus, sodium. Uh, I'm trying to remember if, if the kidneys aren't functioning, is sodium going away? Uh, I'd assume sodium isn't being filtered out very well. So it'd be hypernatremia versus hypo. So maybe I'll get rid of that one and I'm 50, 50. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would probably go with hyperphosphatemia just cause I like the idea that Right, potassium and phosphorus and calcium and all these other things are going to potentially be building up because of the kidneys failing. Awesome. Yeah. So um, you're absolutely correct. And I actually really liked how you got there. I'm going to go through a little bit more systematically and how all this kind of relates. Okay. Yeah. So, first and foremost, 
I, I think it's actually really important to, to go back to the stem and say, okay, so they're giving us, like we kind of already saw what they're giving us, perioral numbness, paresthesias, hands and feet, muscle cramps, trousseaus and javascutsign. So all of that is very, very specific to hypo or low calcium. Mm. Calcium is needed for muscle contraction in such a way. And then if you have any disruption or low calcium, you're going to see a lot of these signs. And so let's first go through and talk about what is, do you know what trousseau sign is? Uh, I, I think like twitching, like, um, some sort of twitching potentially. Okay. It's very specific. So it's some French dude back (laughs) in the day said, okay, you have low calcium. And I noticed that when I take a, uh, stigma monitor or basically a blood pressure cuff and I raise it, um, but so I, I elevate the cuff, um, you will see the um, the distal kind of thumb and, and finger of that hand twitch in a very specific way. Huh. Uh, and again, that's all related to the calcium. And then similarly, his buddy Chvastik was like, yo, I could do the same kind of thing, but it's more of a facial nerve type situation where if I tap kind of right on the facial nerve by your ear, you'll see that same kind of ipsilateral muscle twitching again because of this hypocalcemia. Mm. Kind of cool. Um, we don't really do it that much in the clinic, but still yeah. something worth noting. And you can, if someone has hypocalcemia, it's, um, you know, maybe for some reason your lab is taking longer to come back and you have a high suspicion, then this will also kind of uh, lead you down that road. We don't, we don't have time in the clinic to, to raise a bullet pressure cuff for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. We got to get patients in and patients out. Who do you think we are? Right. <laughs> and, and what patient really wants me to be tapping all over his face? I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not. who knows? So, okay. Physical exam findings for hypocalcemia, perioral numbness, very high sensitivity for that as well. So these are interesting kind of physical exam findings. So it's pointing us to that way. We also know from the stem, uh, this poor woman has renal failure. So we can assume that because of her renal failure, she has this hypocalcemia. So things that are related to calcium. So when I think of calcium, I tend to think of PTH, I think of vitamin D, and I think of uh, phosphorus. The reason I think of those specifically is because they all relate to levels of calcium if things are working kind of normally. Mm -hmm. There's this really elegant, beautiful negative feedback that we see in the endocrine system. And Lord knows I'm a big (laughs) fan. Um, the PTH or uh, the parathyroid glands, four of which that are located kind of deep in the in the thyroid gland themselves, yep. have receptors. And so what happens is um, when your calcium is low, um, the PTH uh, is turned up. And uh, some some folks like to remember PTH as phosphorus trashing hormone. So what that means is it's telling the kidneys when PTH is turned on or at high levels, it's telling the kidney to kick out phosphorus, to pee out phosphorus. And then in exchange, you're able to kind of have higher levels of serum calcium. Now, if your kidneys aren't working, then even if PTH is very high, which often we'll see in chronic kidney disease because of this negative feedback, the phosphorus can't be excreted. So you're going to actually have higher levels of phosphorus because your kidneys can't get rid of it. And phosphorus binds serum calcium. So the free calcium that's floating around the blood to kind of help you do things like muscle contraction um, is now being bound up. And so the body is actually seeing much, much less calcium. So you have much lower hypocalcemia in the serum because we are um, binding with the phosphorus because the phosphorus can't get um, released by the kidneys. And so because of this, we have hyperphosphatemia, as you correctly noted. So A is the answer choice here. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it's bringing back a wave of knowledge that was hidden away somewhere in my brain. <laughs> it's buried in there. We all have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
and so let's let's work through these other answer choices to to kind of see if we can do just a little bit and why sure. they're wrong or what what the opposite would be potentially if if the answer is kind of leading us to the the other sure sure so uh kind of at b which is the uh, they're saying decrease pth or parathyroid hormone we kind of tap to that yeah. it's the exact opposite because yeah. of negative feedback um in a system where you have um low calcium you'd expect your pth to be um high yeah um you also expect it to be chronically elevated in folks that have end-stage renal disease again because you've kind of kinked the uh, negative feedback loop. So it's going to always be on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's incorrect. Okay. Um, increased sensitivity to 125 dehydroxy vitamin D. Um, no, right. Because uh, the, one of the areas where vitamin D would be, or the, the sensitivity would be is at the kidney level. And we've already discussed that the kidney is kind of broken right now. So mm -hmm. it's not going to be more sensitive to if it's broken. Um, hyponatremia is interesting. Um, you were kind of alluding to this when you were kind of going through, uh, in your mind, you could see potential hyponatremia, um, in, uh, renal disease, especially if you are retaining a lot of fluid, uh, because your body is not, um, urinating. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you retain a lot of fluid, then you actually can kind of dilute out the salt in your, in your system. And so hyponatremia is not necessarily wrong. But in the context in which what they're trying to get at, it's not the most right. They're kind of really getting to this calcium uh, regulatory system. And, and um, the sodium in this case actually isn't uh, particularly relevant um, in this one area. But to say to say someone with end stage renal disease can be hyponatremic is definitely correct. Yeah, that's that's what students love to hear is like, well, it's not the most right. I'm like, oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I that bothers me too, and you know we should make the the caveat that unfortunately we don't write the questions; we just have to somehow suffer through it. <laughs> them. Okay, so, um, but I agree, it's a little bit unfair. Um, but you, you just keep in mind, you want to answer uh, in the context of the stem, and so they're really trying to guide you into the calcium balance here. Yeah. Um, and the metabolic alkalosis, you know, typically someone with renal disease, you're going to see the opposite. You're going to typically see a metabolic um, acidosis. Um, there is so many. Um, uh, kind of derangements, metabolic derangements that you may uh, encounter um, in, in renal disease. And I've definitely clinically seen, you know, folks that have had so many concomitant uh, metabolic and, and uh, respiratory alkalosis and, and, and acidosis in renal failure. So it, to say that you can't have that is, is you, know, you probably could. Um, uh, but again, within the context of this question, the, the acid-base uh, balance, not specifically or directly relevant to the calcium here. All right. So another, another good question to, uh, to get on. Um, renal stuff. So fun. Uh, next week we'll have, uh, our next, next episode, we'll have some more fun stuff to work through. Thanks, Dr. Mike Natter. Dr. Ryan Gray. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. There you have it. Another great episode with Dr. Mike Natter. Hopefully that was helpful again, preparing you for your step one or level one exam. Go check out boardvitals.com. Use that promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off. We will see you next time. This is MedEd Media.